You're listening to the Hardcore Honeys Podcast, starring your hosts, the snarky, the sassy, and the pretty Jade Auxiliary Things Johnson, the all-knowing, the all-wise Shay Vassar, and the man in the middle, Mr. TJ. And here's the show. Hey, 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 Hardcore Honey listeners, coming back with a new episode after a little but much needed break, but now refreshed and revitalized, I think we can get back to talking what we all really care about right now, which is NBA basketball. Would you agree with that, Shay? Oh, completely. There's been a couple of nights where there's been no basketball, and I'm like, what do I do with my life? It's a little weird not having basketball on certain nights, considering it was been three games a day. Shay, how does it feel to be talking basketball again? Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I I missed you guys, like, a lot. It's weird. Jade, are you ready to state your facts, your hard-nosed opinions? I'm ready. I've had a bit of a crazy few weeks, and most of that is resolved now, so it'll be nice to get back in the groove, back into watching some games, because I didn't watch too much through that time period. So, yeah, just feeling a little bit normal again is going to be nice. We're not in a normal world, but closest thing we have to normalcy. So we're going to be talking the real reason why we talk for an hour, NBA basketball. This week is going to be discussing both Eastern and Western Conference Finals. And just a heads up, fans, uh, we're recording on Saturday. so. By this releases on Monday, there might be some different stuff, but as of now, we're just going to be given our takes for it. And then we'll also, what we're expecting from the series, from all the squads and the teams, how some of the teams can bounce back, who has to step up. And then another thing I really want to get to is the crazy situations that are going on with the coaching signings and firings. Something I'm really excited for to hear your guys' takes. So start off with the Eastern Conference Finals. Jade, what will it take for Miami to officially close out Boston? I think it's just going to take them playing their game again. I mean, I watched the game last night, and even though Miami lost, I still didn't feel like Boston has a chance to to come back and win this series. Like, I don't know, I just, Miami's got something, and I think that something is probably Jimmy Butler. I've said it a, a couple of times. Uh, I think he's the person left in the playoffs this year that wants a ring more than anybody else. He's got a lot to prove. He's had, you know, a really tumultuous career, uh, had a hard time finding the right spot for him. Um, so I think it's going to take his leadership just to get those young guys kind of locked back in because Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero did not have their best games yesterday. But I, I think as a unit, Miami is, is, is more finals ready than Boston right now. Uh, Shay, do you agree with Jade with the idea of like Jimmy Butler being the one or who do you think? I do. Um, and as she mentioned, you know, last night for Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero were not the best nights. But, oh, my God, watching Hero the game before was magical. I mean, actually magical. I thought he did such a great job. But he is not the leader on that team at all. So, you know, 
he's young. He he's not Jimmy Butler. He doesn't have the same kind of like drive that Jimmy Butler does. But I just I really like watching him play when he has like that on game. So uh, I I really hope that 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 comes back. And I think yeah, Jimmy Butler, you know, showing up to practice in his high school jersey. I thought that was so cute because it shows like Jimmy Butler kind of comes off kind like hard. You know, with the whole like, oh, this is a business trip. I'm not going to have my family in the bubble. But then he shows up to practice in Tyler Hero's high school jersey. And I'm just like, he still loves them. Like, he still loves his team. And it's it's really cool to see. Speaking of Tyler Hero, is Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, Jade, are they the real deal right now? Or is this just one of those playoff moments? Because Tyler Hero didn't play as much in the regular season. It was none that was getting most of the minutes. So Yeah, I think they are the real deal. I think if you can keep your composure on a stage that large and, and to be rookies, to be that young and your coach know that he can rely on you and your teammates know that he can rely on you, like that takes something legit. I don't think um, I see being the type of guys where it's like, oh, remember that rookie season playoff run? And then that's all it is for them kind of thing. I think they're going to, I think this is just the start and they're going to be big names that people pay attention to for a long time. Even Duncan Robinson. That's my question too. I, I'm not as sold on Duncan. But, so yeah, Shay, so I'll sh- throw this question at you then. Hero and Robinson, are they the real deal or it's just, are they lighting it up in the playoffs? I think Hero is. Like, I'm pretty sold on Hero. I mean, he was my X Factor for the Miami Heat, as well as Jimmy Butler. Again, like, Jimmy Butler is great. I think we all are starting to agree on that part. But when it comes to, like, Hero and Robinson, I'm more sold on Hero being a long term talent than Duncan is. I don't know exactly what it is I, I I just there's something about hero that I believe in more uh, it's his confidence yeah he, it has to he, be he's confident but I don't think that that makes I think Duncan Robinson is just kind of as a person a little bit more low-key and I don't necessarily think that means in terms of basketball he's going to be less than he's been I think Hero just has this persona. And, like, he always kind of had to with the last name that he had. Like, I said this months ago. Like, the kind of player he's going to be, he has the perfect last name for that swag and that, that, you know, clutch ability. But as a basketball player, I think Duncan Robinson is going to be right there, too. But he's not ever going to be quite as flashy. Yeah. Who would you compare these players then to, Shay? Oh, my gosh. I don't know, because, I mean, well, and, and, like, whenever I think of, like, good rookie seasons, like, historically, you can, of course, say the usuals, and I wouldn't say that, like, as much as I'm sold on Hero, he's not having, like, a, like, a Michael Jordan first year, you know, like, he's not quite on that level, he's not even on, like, a Kobe first level, but I don't know who I would compare, that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty hard one. Better shoot, a better long shot. DeMar DeRozan? What do you I, think Hero, I think Hero plays better defense than DeMar yeah. DeRozan ever did. I think he's a better player, yeah, all around, like all around player. And then Duncan Robinson. Jade, who do you see him as? Do you see compared to him? I don't know. I, I'm not very good at comparing players just because I tend to see them all as individuals anyways. 
Um, trying to think, just somebody that is like solid and reliable, and you know, like that person that scores twenty points quietly, and and you didn't really notice him during the game, but then you check the box score, and he's like, oh man, he put in work, like. I think of him kind of like that. I don't know. And those types of players are not the players whose names we remember, right? They're they're the players that the real hardcore basketball fans like we know about. But in terms of the big names, it's like, oh, he's like so-and-so. Like, he doesn't really have that kind of game that makes you think of the first 15 names of basketball that come into your head. We've gotten to the Miami stuff. But now, I mean, there's another team involved. And that's Boston. So what does Boston have to do, Jade, to get this charge back, to, to get to Game 7 to close out the series? I think Boston is a little too high on themselves right now. And I think they need to take a step back, be a little more humble, and realize, like, you didn't win this series before the tip. You are going to have to bring everything to win this series. And I think after eliminating Toronto, they were got a little bit too big for their britches without thinking like Toronto played garbage basketball and still forced seven games, right? Like Toronto lost that series a lot more than Boston won it. And I think coming out of that series, they thought, oh man, like we're good. We're like, we're finals bound. And then Miami showed up. And I thought Miami would have been a bigger threat had had the bracket gone different. I was more worried about seeing Miami in the conference finals than I was seeing Boston for Toronto. So I knew I knew Miami was not going to be an easy series for Boston. And I think that their biggest issue dropping those first two games was just being a little overconfident coming out of the Toronto series and thinking they had this big advantage over Miami, which was not smart. Shay, same thing. Uh, is Boston right uh, high on their own supply right now? Or is are they finally changing how they're playing in these Eastern I, Conference Finals? I think they are way too high on themselves. I think what Jade said about like Toronto losing that series rather than Boston winning is a really great point because it's true. I mean, I didn't think Boston played extravagantly great basketball that we're going to be talking about for years in the last series. And I I think it's similar now. I mean, there was just a couple of games ago where they hit like what five three pointers. And one of them happened to be a Marcus smart, like throw in the air and it made it in. And I think when it comes to their defense, they're doing okay. But I think their offense is a little, it's a little weak for how they're acting like it is. All right. So which player, Shay, for Boston has to be the leader for this charge? Which player? Is it Tatum? Do we got to get Cardiac Kemba? Or is there a wild card with like Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart? Who who has to be step up? I mean, I want to I want to say Tatum has to step up more. I mean, he had a, I think it was that same game where they didn't make like anything, but those I mean, they made a little bit obviously cuz they played basketball, but <laughs> they didn't make yeah. like a, a lot of points. Um, I can't talk all of a sudden. I'm like the points, they didn't get the ball in the, <laughs> in the hoop. Uh, <laughs> but, like, but like actually like Tatum did not score the entire first half. How? Like that is ridiculous to me. I mean, 
even if he's having a bad game, like, you know, just driving it through to get one layup, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, I haven't heard of a top player or at least a player that's talked about not making any points in an entire half of a game, not a quarter. I mean, we've seen LeBron not make any points in like the final quarter of a couple of games in the playoffs, but like, I still can't believe he didn't make any points in the entire first half of a playoff game. And so for me, that was where I really started seeing some of the weakness in their in their offense. Because, you know, even if he was having a horrible game, there should have been some other offensive players that stood, you know, took the the moment to show off and there was like none. Um, so yeah, I, I think he just needs to do better. I don't like, I literally was like, did his son like scream the entire night before? <laughs> did, cause like, that was also the game they were like, yay, like his son is in the bubble now. Da, da, da. And then it's like, he also played horrible. So don't rip on that. That was adorable. No, I'm not saying he's not a cute <laughs> kid. He is so cute. I really like, I, oh my God, he's really cute, but you know, daddy's got to play better. Oh, Jay, which player for Boston for you has to step up and be the leader to close, help them come back and close it out? So I'm not sure that I can narrow it down to one person. I think they just need someone. And not even so much in terms of who's going to lead the offensive charge, but just somebody who is pushing the team all the time. I really like Kemba Walker. Um but I think he's missing a little bit of that fire that goes with leadership. He's a great teammate. He's really well-liked. A little happy-go-lucky. Yeah, it's almost like he's a little bit too nice. And the team is good, but they need a Jimmy Butler attitude or a Kyle Lowry attitude or a LeBron James attitude where those guys are still liked by their teammates, but they have a certain that thing that's like LeBron's going to hold us accountable. Kyle's going to hold us accountable. He's going to hold himself accountable first. And I just don't see anybody on Boston that has it on that level. And I think that's kind of like a secret sauce ingredient that they need to take the next step. And I don't think that next step, honestly, I don't think it's coming until next season. So there's going to be a little bit of time with it. Getting to the players, now the coaches, because I've always been interested with this coach matchup. Jade, who has done a better job, Spolstra or Stevens? Spolstra started off really hot, but then Stevens was able to gather up everything and then come back with this. So who's doing the better, better job? I don't think that's a call I can make till the series ends because we... what, basically what I've seen is, is Spolstra came out swinging and Brad Stevens has counterpunched, and now we have to, like, who's t- taking that next step? Does Spolstra close it out in the next game? With Miami, or does Brad Stevens manage to force, you know, the series to go on longer? I think they've both done a really great job, and I think we expected that going in of both of them. But, like, yeah, I don't think I can call it until – I can't call it at this point because, to me, it's been pretty even. Shay, can you decide which coach has done better, or are you still on the fence like Jade? No, I'm going to go ahead and say Spolstra just because, okay, if – and I agree that there's, like, no real leader right now coming off of the Celtics. So if the Celtics don't have a leader, what is Brad Stevens, like, saying in the locker room? How is he motivating his team? So it's, like, it's not even necessarily that their calls or their choices. Uh, 
in the game are wrong, but it makes me question what's going on behind the scenes that Brad Stevens is like not able to motivate anyone just to like step up and take the 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 charge like they literally just need someone to charge and and Spolstra for the most part I think he has an easier job at that just because you have more motivated players so maybe that's not even on the coaching necessarily but I I just I like I like some of the the matchups that that we've seen um just player on player I I don't know like I I mean it is a very hard call and I I don't want to say Brad Stevens is overrated or a bad coach or any of that because we've seen otherwise I mean his track record is is good and he's he's a nice guy from what I can tell I mean so I don't want to be mean about it you'd catch him mowing the lawn in new balances oh yeah well and he looks like that Pete Buttigieg guy. So every time I would see that Pete Buttigieg guy when he was running for president, I was like, is that Brad Stevens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they dressed up as each other. Did they? Yeah. Okay, well, and that's great. But also Brad Stevens maybe should run for president because I'd <laughs> vote for him over our choices. So I'll leave that there. But Stevens, speaking of him, if they lose, Jade, is Stevens kind of on the hot seat? is next because he's gotten to Eastern Conference Finals like the past few years, but that's where he falters. That's is So is that on him or the team? I think it's on the team. I mean, this season, you've got your young stars doing their first deep playoff run, and I, I've said this over and over, that's not the teams that get, get it done. That's not the teams that get to finals. I think their season's already been a success. Uh, last year you had Kyrie to deal with on the team. Like I'm never gonna blame a coach for a Kyrie team not working ever. Ooh, hot take! I love it. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, I don't think Brad Stevens deserves to be fired. I think I think Boston might still be one piece away, and it might be that right leadership personality. You know, it might even be somebody like um, who was it? I was who's on Miami's bench? Haslam who oh, yeah. he's on the playoff roster just to be a veteran on the bench. Like he he's was not chewing playing. out players the other night. Right. Yeah. And I almost feel like that's what Boston needs is it doesn't necessarily have to take over the scoring from, from Tatum and Smart and Brown, or it doesn't need to be a new point guard. Cause I think Kemba's a good point guard, but I think they just need that personality. And I always have a hard time removing a coach before you put together as a, a front office, you put together a team for that coach till, till you think all the pieces are there. We saw that in Toronto with Messiah Jury. He didn't fire Dwayne Casey right away, which a lot of new GMs do. He built the team Dwayne Casey wanted, and then he couldn't get it done. So then it was time to move on. So I think Boston is a piece or two away from being really able to blame Brad Stevens for anything. And I think they got further this season than they were expected. They should, I shouldn't say that. I think they got further than they should have been expected to. And maybe that sounds like a contradiction, but I still, I'm just, I'm not as impressed with Boston as a lot of other people are. Um, So I think getting to the conference finals should be a win for them this year. Do you agree with that, Shay? Oh, completely. They were not on my radar. Like, even in the bubble, they were not on my radar. Uh, So them being this far, uh, it's great. It's made for a decent matchup for the Heat, and I'm enjoying this series. But 
I I wasn't expecting them really to do anything. So. Oh well, glad to hear that everyone thinks Boston's doing great. So, <laughs> since since we've gotten both those teams broken down, of those two teams, who's the most finals ready, Jade? I think Miami. No second guessing. No, I think Miami has more clutch performers. I, I think when the pressure's really on, I'm not convinced Tatum has it in in like a finals high pressure situation. I'm not convinced Smart has. I'm not convinced Brown has it. I think Miami's rookies have ice in their veins, and we know Jimmy Butler's clutch. So that's the difference to me right now between the two teams. So you got Miami, Shay. Who do you got? Boston. Miami. Or- Come on, uh, no, Boston's no. They're not ready. They're not even ready for this, you know, Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, so I think I think Boston will be a better finals contender and possibly I could see them winning it I mean I know we don't know who is officially going or whatever but I think I think there's a scrappy enough team where if they really want it and they continue to just build on this momentum that it's theirs and I think that would be great for this team another thing about Boston too that we already touched on but I think applies to this question too is how much smack they talked after eliminating Toronto Teams that win finals know it's not over until it's over. Right. Right? Like, you didn't see Toronto do that last season after they beat Philly. They were calm. They were level. They were not talking smack because they knew the job wasn't done. You didn't see it. You don't see a LeBron finals team do that. You didn't see the Golden State Warriors do that. Like, any team in recent memory or any memory that wins championships they keep it they keep on an even keel and know that there's work to be done before they start talking smack like the smack talk should not come until after the Larry OB has been awarded and we can't forget that there was all that stuff that went on in the locker room the yelling and all of that you know right. like i know that they said they worked it out or whatever but I, I mean, if your teammates are yelling at each other, I think that says a lot about where you're at as a team. So it's, it, you know, you don't hear about other teams, like, to the point to where they can't keep it under wraps, to where the other team doesn't hear they're screaming. Like, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Well, Shay, is, was, do you think Marcus Smart was doing that as uh, possible, like, the fire underneath his team? Because he's kind of the, the, he's the instigator of all that stuff to get the fire going think it was planned or was he actually mad with players I think he was actually mad just because he is such an instigator and he is very fiery I think it could go either way but I think just the from what the rumor is of them like screaming I guess things getting thrown whatever that sounds a little bit like more than a planned thing I don't know it just doesn't sound uh productive I guess should be the word there. That's fair. Jade, do you think it was real or was it just kind of fake news kind of stuff to get the fire going? Uh, I think it was real. I think if it's not real, there's no point in doing it, mm-hmm. right? Like if it's not real energy, how much effect is it really going to have on the team? Like what's the point really? Because those kinds of energies feel different when you're talking to a person. Right, you get a different energy from somebody who is putting it on than somebody who is genuinely feeling something. And like, yeah, from the things I read, you know, 
a lot of the the reporters can hear from outside the door like I don't know I feel like that's just a lot of energy to have to conjure if it's not real I like what we've come up with the Eastern Conference stuff but there's still another conference and it's on the West Coast so Jade how surprising that Denver is once again in an underdog mode with the comeback Uh, it's not surprising at all Denver was always going to be an underdog if they got through the first round as far as I was concerned this year the, the the first round was really the only matchup that I thought didn't put them in an underdog situation and if they got through that that was going to be their their spot for the rest of whatever they did this year right, so constant umber, underdog pretty much always yeah, they're, just, they're another one of those teams that I think is just a season or two away from being properly dominant okay well, Shay, do you agree with that or do you expect more from Denver? I do agree because, I mean, experience always plays off in, in the playoffs. Like, it always is obvious. And this team doesn't have quite experience, especially combined with the Lakers. I mean, I know AD has not made it this far, but specifically LeBron. And then you also have a couple of other veterans there that are are just really holding this team together. I have noticed that the Lakers, where they have really been excelling is when Rondo is like on point. Like that to me is when Rondo has an off game, that's when Denver is able to kind of show off their skills because having another veteran presence there is just, it's really great for the Laker team. But I also like the fact that Denver has come back, you know, from this 3-1 underdog position in the first two rounds. They're in it again. It's like you look at the the statistics or whatever they like to say of, oh, when you're down like 2-1, the, the possibility of them coming back is da-da-da-da. And it gets like, obviously you know, more with when you're down 3-1. But they've already done it twice. So they've already beat odds. So can they do it again? I mean, I guess we'll know tonight. But I would love to because I personally am, like, so in love with the Denver team right now. Like, they, I feel like I've, like, adopted them. Put Denver Mello on that team, and that's a finals appearance right there. I could actually see that. That would be a fun thing to see. So continuing with Denver, hypothetically, focusing on the word hypothetically speaking, say it goes to game seven. Jade, what do the Nuggets do to close out the series? Is it stop LeBron? Is it stop AD? Is it stop the bench? What's what's their game plan? I think at that point you have to focus on LeBron because I think if you are pushed to a game seven in a conference finals, he is going to be that factor that puts a team on his shoulders and says screw this we are not going out like this um I don't think I don't really think AD has that clutch thing on purpose like I know he hit that game winner and that was cool but to me there are certain players that get lucky and there are certain players who are clutch and AD to me is a player that got got a little bit lucky. Like, yeah, he had to have talent to put that shot up and for it to be on point. But I don't think he's the player that in his head goes, give me the ball, I'm going to handle this. And so LeBron James to me is that player. And if it gets to be a game seven down the stretch in the fourth and it's close, LeBron is the person you have to stop. 
I mean, I have some experience with LeBron <laughs> closing out teams in the playoffs. And I can remember the, the, the Eastern Conference Finals we had with them a few years back, Toronto played. And I remember Toronto getting up like two, one or two points right at the end of the game. And I remember glancing at the clock and saying out loud, there's too much time left. And LeBron's going to, and that's exactly what happened. So he has to be the person in these kinds of situations. I don't think there's anybody else on the Lakers that's as big a threat when it's really on the line. Okay, so do we go for the King Classic LBJ with it? Shay, are you thinking the same thing, or do you have a different idea with it all? I mean, I'll, I'm going to bring up Rondo again just because he – like there, he's been making some shots that like I would not have expected him to make, and it's really impressive. I mean, it's really impressive to see a veteran player kind of find their place on a team again. I I enjoy that, and I mean, he's still Rondo. Like you know, he's still like he he fits on this Lakers team just the same way that LeBron and AD do. I mean, AD a little bit less than probably the two of them, but they have that little like full of themselves thing. And, and that works. That works for them. And that's great. But, you know, you also got to work on LeBron because, again, experience is everything. And LeBron has been in this situation. I think what Jade said about uh, AD as well, it's like, yeah, that that closing out three-pointer, beautiful. It was a beautiful shot. But then he comes back the next game and looked horrible. It's like, how can you get that clutch point to get to get the win, like you won the game. You are the re- that game would not. I have a feeling that if they had gone into overtime, Denver was just heating up, and they would have, you know, it would have worked for Denver. Just saying. But then AD comes back the next game and looks horrible. Like the first couple of minutes, it's just like he just looked bad. Like uh, I just I don't know. Their team is so frustrating to watch, and I know that whatever they're gonna probably end up going all the way to the finals and we're never gonna hear the end of this team until LeBron retires and then even then we're probably not but it's just they're a frustrating team to watch and I'm I'm, I don't know I don't know I think I think that once LeBron retires the Lakers are gonna be kind of trash for a while I was actually just talking about this last night because look how long it took till this year for Miami to recover from LeBron Ooh, that's true. Right? Cleveland is still recovering from LeBron. LeBron ruins teams. Like, he does what he has to do while he's there, and he brings home rings, but you're done for a bunch of years after he leaves. Yeah, that is true. you mortgaged your future on right now with LeBron. And the Lakers are no different. We've talked about all the talent they traded away to bring AD. Look how old their team is. Like, when LeBron is done, the Lakers are rebuilding. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> okay, he's like he, good every like seven games. Like, just think, you traded Ingram instead of Kuzma. And Alex Caruso, who everyone talks about, I was just like, Ugh. I actually did a little bit of research on this because when um, I watched one of the Laker Denver games uh, last week, and I just like I don't get the Caruso hype, and so I was with people, we were having that conversation, and. My roommate and I have come to the conclusion that's because he's a white dude. Because if it was a black, huh? And he's, he's balding. balding. Yeah. And he, 
if he was a black guy at the same size, we he would just be whatever. So uh, the person that was arguing with me, I'm like, okay, what do you think his vertical is? If he's so like exciting and explosive and and athletic and whatever. And so he guessed and he was way off. His vertical is 36. Which, which is bad, but... It, it's not it's not as it's not as big as the hype, right? Like right. to put that into perspective, Derek Jones Jr. vertical is ten more inches. Right. So when LeBron's gone, you've got A D. I don't think A D is ever gonna be a first option. No. A D is always gonna be a Robin, needs a Batman. And then the players you've got left over, you've got Coos, you've got Caruso. Dwight Howard's not playing that many more years. No. Rondo's not playing that many more years. JaVel McGee is a bonehead. He needs someone like LeBron to keep him in check. Like, this is not a team that is 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 building to survive LeBron's retirement. This is a team that is going to have a lot of work to do to be relevant. That's one thing. I know that from the Timberwolves. When And it shows. It was 13 years of them trying to figure it out. Cleveland is going to go through that exact situation. It's not going to be four or five years. Like, this is going to be six, seven years. So, yeah, Lakers are going to get in that same thing. Uh, Since we're speaking of players, Jamal Murray, Shea, is he solidifying himself as, like, the real deal in this league? Or is it he's just really coming off in the playoffs? Oh, no. He's, like, solidifying himself. I'm, like, a Jamal Murray. I'm about to get, like, his face, like, tattooed on my arm. Like, I am so, like, in love. Okay, no, I won't actually, Taylor. Don't make that face. But that's what I need for my commitment to Jamal Murray right now, okay? Like, uh, maybe maybe it's, like, instead I'll do, like, a frame picture next to my bed. I don't know. Like I'm that's sure your boyfriend will love that. <laughs> Say goodnight to Jamal. Um, but no, like, I, he's really impressing me. I mean, that layup. Oh, my. Around LeBron? Holy <sighs> crap. It was like, I had to watch it a couple of times to realize what he did. And, like, that's how it was so intricate. I mean, you know, he changes his hand. He goes around, changes it, falls to the ground, and still makes, like, the most impossible shot. I... No, that's not just, like, getting lucky. He made it look easy. That is not an easy shot. So I – and you don't just get lucky with that. Like, you have to have some talent to be – to know to switch your hands and then also fall a certain way while throwing – that's not luck. That's talent. And the size Murray gives up on LeBron, too. Like – Yeah, yeah. Jade, do you think so, too? Or is this Jamal Murray just doing his best right now? So I have a little bit of a different angle in that knowing what Jamaican dads can be like, because that's what Jamal Murray had. (laughs) And I've read a bit about how his dad made him train and all the stuff that he went through. And like something that I think people underestimate is talent requires mental toughness to continue to be talented. And not only does Jamal Murray have the talent, but he has mental toughness that unless you have island parents like anybody anybody that has island parents knows what I'm talking about and for his dad to specifically set him up that basketball was the thing he's this is this is just a glimpse of what he's gonna be barring some crazy injury like I I was gonna say knock on wood now this is just 
what he's going to be. And he's just going to continue to impress more and more. I think there's possibility that a season or two down the line, Jokic is not the leader of that team. Jamal Murray is. I agree. 100% there. Okay, so last question for this this fi- this conference finals. Jade, is it more of a disappointment if the Lakers lose, or is it showing that Denver is that much better than we were thinking? Ooh, see, <laughs> that's tough for me because I wasn't sold on... Uh, you know that I'm not sold on teams where you drop in superstars and be like, go, right? So already I was way under the hype that the Lakers were getting. I was just like... Whatever. It's the Lakers. LeBron's there. Don't underestimate LeBron, but I'm not excited about this team. If Denver wins, I will have to say that if Denver wins, my stance will be that I did underestimate them. Definitely, yeah. Shay, same question. Is it underestimated Denver or it's a disappointment for the Lakers? Underestimated Denver. I mean... LeBron is like LeBron, right? And he's always going to be in the conversation. And for a decent reason. I mean, he has won three rings. Is that right? Is that all? Three? Okay. I mean, but still, like, who else in the league right now has three rings and also a couple more years to play? So I I get it. And that's fine. He can stay in the conversation. I'm not mad. But I just... I really like this Denver team. I I really want to keep seeing more good things from them. And so I, you know, would like like them to stay around uh, this this finals. But, you know, we'll see. Actually, one last question for this Western Conference finals team. Is Mike Malone a solid reason why this Denver team is coming up like this? Or is this just about time these players mess Shay? I would say... It's probably a mix of both. I think Mike Malone is a decent coach. We also see him making some really, I mean, smart moves. They're like the same moves that when I see other coaches not do. For example, when Jokic was playing with five fouls the other night and he kept putting them in for moments, taking them out. Like, that's smart. And you don't see enough coaches doing stuff like that to make sure that one of your main players, while other guys are also, you know, have four fouls, you're you're making sure that if if this does go to overtime, you have him available. And I I thought that was really smart. And those were the kind of moves that when you don't see other coaches do, you're like, why aren't they doing this? So I I think that Mike Malone is very strategic and he knows how to use his team to his advantage. And I think that it's just a mix of them coming to their own and Mike Malone being a, a pretty pretty nice like little puzzle player, you know. All right. So, Jade, oh, I saw that little look on your face. Would yeah. you be with Shay there, or you got your own take with this? I think it's probably a little bit of both, but I'm leaning more towards it's a team, um, mostly based on that game that Michael Porter Jr. went off in the first half and then didn't see the ball, and then they lost. Like, I feel like Denver should have won that game. And if, you're t- if your players on the floor – do not have it in their head to remember who has the hot hand. It's the coach's job to remind them who has the hot hand. And I know there's controversy because players are never supposed to talk to the media about things like, oh, I didn't get looks. I wasn't mad at him for that because I was like, he's right. Like, how are you going to let a guy go off in the first half and then not ride that for the rest of the game? That's not smart basketball. So 
I I think it is also a combination of both, but my larger percentage is with the team than it is with the coach. Okay. Okay. So speaking of coaches and then teams of that aspect combining, I'm going to talk about the coaching musical chairs of all the firings and stuff and all the movement. So I'll start with you, Jade. Why do you think there have been so many firings such or just even quitting too because there's a couple coaches that quit why so many in such a short span yeah i think it's a combination of a few things i think one of the things is so many teams this season it was the first year with that particular unit so i think a few of the teams that have fired coaches have jumped the gun a little bit uh, I think it's also just kind of a, of a reflection of the otherness that this year has been. And, you know, everybody's thought processes and the normal ways we do things are just not in place right now. I think if COVID had not happened this year, I have a feeling we would have seen fewer firings. Um, and then there were some that were, it was just time, like Billy Donovan's, uh, contract was done and that was a mutual amicable parting dan tony he quit before he got fired right Let's be real <laughs> but i mean he did that in new york so oh yeah it, it, it was just kind of in though in, in terms of those two specifically it was i think it was just kind of time both for the organization and for the coach uh to move on so, and then Shay, do you agree with Jade on that? Or do you think there's more of a meaning behind it all? I do. I mean, I think that plays into it. I think there's a lot of factors at play. I We haven't seen a big coach turnover in a while. So there are going to be some that just, if their time is done, time to move on. I do think that there were quite a few that jumped the gun. I I think New Orleans didn't even get to really play together as a team. So I am not really sure what their motivation for that was. Indiana other than too. Indiana too. Yeah. Cause you know, they, they had injuries and other circumstances that just didn't have them at full capacity the entire season. So how do you fire the coach on that? I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So okay. I think, I think, yeah, I think it just, it was time for a turnover, uh, plus just some some really bad calls. Okay, so then speaking of like Alvin Gentry getting fired and Nate McMillan being fired, Shay, out of all the coaches that have left and been fired and stuff, which one was the weirdest you saw or, yeah, the weirdest one you've seen? I'm, I'm going to stick with Alvin Gentry for that one just because, again, it's like they – I thought that they had created this team with him as – the coach in order to work together and then was it because they were disappointed in their final performance in the bubble or not making the playoffs at all I I don't I don't know what the final trigger was for that but it just doesn't make a lot of sense because why did you build this team and not even give him the chance to fully work with it they, they had no chance to work together and you have like a great coach and and possibly one of the best teams in the next couple of seasons. So what are you going to do now? Bring in a whole new coach to get to know these guys? That's not very smart. I mean, it could be the beginning of something new since it's a fresh, young, new team. Maybe. I don't know. I do. I like your idea, Shay. But I got to ask that same question for you, Jade. What has been the weirdest or coach that didn't deserve to be fired? Which one's been the weirdest one for you? 
Yeah, I have to go with Alvin Gentry, too. I just don't get it. I mean, the Pelicans had one of the worst records in the league a season ago. One season ago. And they made it all the way to the point where they're like, we might make the playoffs. Had Zion not been injured, they were a playoff team this year. So, like, how are you going to fire the coach over that? It doesn't make any sense. And the other thing is that I think that young squad needed somebody like Alvin Gentry. Do I think he's necessarily the coach that would have taken them to a finals? I don't know if I believe that. But I saw him kind of as like a Dwayne Casey-style coach where he's going to be great for the development of these young players. And if he can make it over that hump, that would remain to be seen. But for sure, I think he would have been a great asset as Zion and Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball developed with the the veteran presence of like J.J. Redick. Like, I just thought that the team put together this year, all year, every time I saw them play, I was like, this team is better than their record. They play better than what the wins and losses say. And like, and that's without Zion. That was without Zion all season. So I just don't understand why, why, why fire your coach now? Why not at least give him one, give him one season with the whole team, more or less, hopefully available to see what happens. Like, it just doesn't make, it's like you're ignoring all the reasons they didn't make the playoffs. It it didn't, I don't think it had anything to do with Alvin Gentry. Alvin Gentry, Alvin Gentry is a good coach. It should not, it was not because of, but Speaking of getting fired, which coach, Jade, do you think deserves to be fired? Like, you don't understand how they're still coaching. I mean, I think you already know what I'm going to say. I I cannot believe Milwaukee's not firing Budenholzer. I can't believe it. Like, every time I think about it, my mind is newly blown. How (laughs) is he not fired? Like, I know that Giannis had that big lunch meeting with the front office, and they've, they've... promised to go into the luxury tax to build him a team next season, which was a mistake they made the previous offseason in not doing that. But Milwaukee is a better team than to be losing games to Orlando in the playoffs. They're a better team than to be eliminated fairly easily by Miami. And I said this during those series, you drop a Nick Nurse or a Brad Stevens or a Spolstra, on to Milwaukee instead of Bud. And I think maybe they're still playing. Uh, I think he is their biggest liability right now. And I don't understand why they are sticking with him. I just don't understand. So Coach Bud think that he needs to dip out a shape. You think Coach Bud or you got another idea? No, I was going to say the same. Because especially when you look at the difference between the Let's even look at last round, all the coaches that made it last round. And I mean, yes, there are a couple that, you know, you have Dan Tony, who is no longer employed, but he still has a really like he has a legacy. Nurse has a legacy. I mean, Brad Stevens has has proved himself and has created a legacy even for being so young. And Budenholzer just hasn't done that. And he like there's no reason that the team should not still be in it. I mean, it's just kind of ridiculous to think about. Uh, so it's it's hard to see that this is this is going to happen again. And even if they do bring in someone for Giannis to play with, 
is it going to be enough if you don't have the leadership, especially with some of these other guys that are now on the market? Coaching-wise, I, I think that if everyone else is playing musical chairs, this is the time to also do that. Yeah. And I was thinking of something when you mentioned D'Antoni, too. Like, D'Antoni, they were playing a completely experimental style of basketball. Yeah. Uh, Budenholzer has back-to-back MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Right. And you're still underperforming that badly. But... But not just underperforming. The thing that really gets me about Coach Budenholzer is how easy it is for him to be like, yeah, this is what we're doing. And like to say it to the media. Yeah, we're not going to make adjustments. What we do is what we do. And that's it. Like, dude, that's not how playoff basketball works. It's just it's never been. It never will. Like, unless you have like a dream team caliber team, right? you have to be able to coach your butt off in the playoffs and just saying, this is what we do and that's it is it's just so not a recipe for success. And I don't understand why Milwaukee front office is just rolling with it. Like I, I don't understand. Well, and like, that's not how I would rather see an experimental form of small ball like Houston than nothing. Like at least they're trying. Exactly. They're trying to do something with what they got. And I'm not saying a lot because we both tested. Oh my god, I want to punch. If Houston Rockets, it like the franchise had a face, I would love to punch it. I gotta agree with that one there. <laughs> so also going at the idea of who deserves to be fired. Coming up on next season, Jade. Besides Bud, who is on the hot seat? Both LA coaches. Uh, I think I think Vogel's on the hot seat. Maybe only depending on what happens, maybe. But for the Clippers, definitely. Uh, And also, who else was I just thinking of? I'll see if I can remember. There was one more. I'll see if I can remember while Shay's talking. Yeah, maybe Shay will jog your memory. Uh, Who's who's on the hot seat for you, Jade? Or Shay? Ah. (laughs) Um, I was going to say Doc for sure. I mean, I honestly was kind of surprised that we haven't gotten that notification yet. Uh, I think the Clippers are trying to figure out what they're going to do for next season with both the players they have, with their staff just in general. Uh, It seems like there's going to be some mix up there. I don't know if it'll be coach first or players first. Uh, It'll be interesting to see that. But I I think with what's-his-face... Oh, yeah, how's it down? What's his face? Okay. What's his face? You know, the the what's his face guy. Um, no, no, is, is his name Vaughn? What team? The Lakers coach. Vogel. Vogel. Why did I say Vaughn? Like, I could not, like, I was like, that's not right. <laughs> the thing with him is I have a theory that, like, this team is actually being coached by LeBron. And, oh, and Vogel is starting to become too vocal and not do what LeBron oh, wants. Cool. And so that's going to be a big thing because, again, let's not forget that they, the Lakers just put in that stupid letter of complaining about LeBron not getting enough free throws. What was that? (laughs) What is that? That was called a, that's just, ah! like, I cannot even put words to it because it's like, sure, if, if this had had happened several games and you know, they, whatever. And then after the end of the finals and we're in an off season, they did a letter. It'd be like, okay, whatever. It'd still be annoying, but it was one game. And the game before 
was literally so long because the Lakers would not stop getting fouled. Like, it was such a long game, and Denver literally shot no free throws. So it just doesn't even make sense. And I can't imagine as a coach being like, oh, sure, that's definitely something we should do. And I wonder if that has something to do with Vogel being on the hot seat. Okay, so Vogel and then obviously Bud still. Okay, those are the coaches on the hot Jay, do you remember the other one you had or still blank? No, I think most of the other coaches have already departed their teams that I, I might have said. Exactly. Okay, okay, that's fair. Okay, and then last question I have to be about the coaching situation. Jade, how dumb are the Knicks? Five <laughs> years with the guy that ruins people's careers? I said that as soon as I saw it, and even if it wasn't Thibodeau. Even if it was someone else, it's like, why are you still signing coaches for five years? No one gets past 18 months in New York in the last 20 years. And, like, that's not an exaggeration. That's right. actual, actually very close to the real number. So why are you signing anybody for five years? Ever. Like, ever. Because Dolan doesn't know basketball. Um Dolan doesn't know what the F he's doing ever so but on but to your point for it to be Thibodeau too is like you finally have your team doesn't make sense as as the roster is built right now but you have pieces you can move to make something work for the first time in a long time and now you've got a coach that is going to ruin their trade value because their bodies are going to give out on them like dude what are you and, and you, you think at some point you would get used to the level of incompetency, but there are, I've learned this watching James Dolan, there are levels of incompetency that are not fathomable. No matter how many times somebody does something, he is on that level where it's always just like, really? Like, I am barely in basketball media, and I could run the Knicks better than James Dolan does. Woo-hoo-hoo. I swear I you probably could I'm just care about basketball to begin with and you're automatically all right better it's a pretty low bar like i'm not trying to say i know all kinds of stuff the bar is low very low so shay you being in the new york area also and you probably hear nick stuff all the time how dumb are they i literally forget that they're a team like I've been to Knicks games and I forget that they're playing (laughs) like that's how much regard I give them it's just because like it's just sad they're just such a sad they're in the best okay what some people would consider the best city in the world and yet they can't even like keep people around like, that's how, that's the difference between, you know, when it comes to, like, even the Clippers. People want to go to L.A. People want to live in L.A. There's a lot to do it there. People don't want to live in New York and play for the Knicks. That's a thing. So, uh, you know, I I just, yeah, they're, they're just a team I forget about. Like, that's a whole nother level of bad. When you yeah. can, you are an organization that people are like, live in New York City? Nah. I will go anywhere else. Right. I'll live in Milwaukee before I live in New York City. <laughs> That's how literally players are deciding stuff right now. Like every single rumor is like, oh, the Knicks are involved. The only reason why is because they're in New York. And even then, they're not going still. Exactly. Yeah. They're not getting anyone because no one wants to play for them. The reason why they say Knicks is because Knicks are talking to every player. Exactly. Well, <laughs> 
They can't even be selective. No, like, no they can't. Anyone. Anybody who's willing to come, yeah, let's sign it. Let's do it quick before you change your mind. So sad. I think ahead of it all. Okay, so we got we got that coaching stuff bro- broken down. Got the Eastern Western Conference stuff. So can only lead to our beloved fast break. But fast break. before we get to that, fast break today is going to be presented by PropMe. So PropMe is a social wagering platform catered to everyday sports fans like us. It has peer-to-peer betting marketplace for social wagering. It's an all-sports betting platform that also includes eSports, a company that leads in social wagering innovation. Join PropMe on the Google Play Store or Apple App Store today. Sign up and join the movement. Okay, first question for you, Jade. With all these coaches openings, and there's some real big key assistant coaches open, do we see the first women woman coach? I really, really, really hope so. Um, I want to see Becky Hammond as a head coach somewhere. I wrote an article um, the last time the Knicks, <laughs> the last time the Knicks head coaching opened up, and there was a lot of buzz that maybe she would get it. And the article I wrote was from the standpoint of, listen, if we're going to have the only head coach in the NBA right now, there have been one or two others very low key in the past. But if we're going to have one out of 30 right now, I don't want it to be for the Knicks. No, I want it to be for a team that is going after top coaching talent, period. I don't want the the woman that's going to be the only head coach in the NBA in 2020 to be working in the job that nobody else wanted. So with some of the places that are open right now, if she's wanting to leave, which I think it's only a matter of time before she does, because I think she's going to get passed over for the Spurs head coaching position by Tim Duncan. Um, I think that would be incredible if she landed one of these open spots, like maybe Indiana, I think would be my number one choice for her. So yeah, that would be really cool. Um, would I say that I think we're going to see it? I think it's more likely now than at any other point in history. Ooh, That's what I'll say. That's a great point. Okay, so, well, since you are pointing out that point there, Shay, do you agree with that? Are we going to possibly see the first woman NBA coach, or is it still a little bit more of a time? No, I say we need it. We need it now. I think there's so many, you know... And don't get me wrong, the WNBA, like, I have watched some more games with the bubble going on and stuff, and they are so impressive. And then I've been playing WNBA 2K, and that is so fun. And I hate that there are so many great, both coaches and players, who are women, who they they get so much when they're in college. You know, I my dad went to UConn. I grew up going to the women's UConn basketball games whenever we'd go visit my grandma because that, they were better players. Um, UConn has good men, too, don't get me wrong, but my dad was always like, it's just a cleaner, more beautiful game. Like, it is so pretty to watch. And there's been some great players that came out of that that I could see being great coaches. And also there's been some really impressive women's coaches at UConn that I could see possibly being NBA coaches. So 
I, I think that, that this is the time. I mean, while these conversations of diversity and how to make things more equal, I, I think that it would be great to see uh, like a woman leader. Because honestly, it's probably what a lot of these guys need, just like truthfully. If you want to know fundamentals, watch a WNBA game. Because yes. they don't have necessarily the same athleticism as the NBA. You have to figure out how to get around your opponents better. The post footwork in WNBA, for me, second to none, really, ever since like the 80s or 90s basketball where you don't get up as high with it. So that's why I hope we see a, a, a first woman coach. So second question, Shay, Steve Nash hiring, yay or nay? I think I think it's good. I mean, overall, I, I think that he's a solid guy. And I think if anyone can do it, it can it can be Steve Nash. Sure. Sure, let's let's see it. I want to see it. So I, I'm going to go yay. See some skinny jeans on the court? He's uh, <laughs> probably going to bring that, yeah. He's going to have some skinny jeans and some vans on the court. <laughs> uh, uh, Jade, Steve Nash hiring, yay or nay? Um, I like Steve Nash as a coach. I don't love that it's for Brooklyn. I think I would have rather seen him on a different team if he was going to coach. And I don't know, like... He's a class act, and I think the way that he thinks and the way that he sees basketball, he's probably going to be a pretty solid coach. I still don't know if that's going to be enough to overcome the inherent dysfunction that comes from having Kyrie on a team or having Katie on a team, not to mention having both of them (laughs) on a team. Such a mess. A lot of players with a lot of personalities with one of the best basketball minds ever. We'll see how that goes And speaking of players that are coaches, Shay, what current NBA player today you hope becomes a coach? Ooh, what a great question. Uh, And it doesn't have to be successful necessarily, but who do you want to see being like, ooh, yes, I want them as a coach. Like, I hope they coach. I mean, I do... I do think Chris Paul is going to end up doing some stint as a coach. He just has that like whole leadership, you know, wants to mentor people thing that not all veteran players have. He definitely has it. I don't know if I care if he becomes a coach or not. Like I'm not like putting a lot of emotion in that. Um, I think when it comes to like, I mean, he's not in the league anymore. And again, not trying to keep this super OKC centered. I'd love to see Nick Carlson come back. And do a little coaching because he's, like, just a great person. Jersey's so, in, the rafters, in the rafters, so, I mean. Yeah, and, I mean, he he also lives in New York, so, I mean, that would have been a smarter hire. Um, you don't want to put him through that, though. I know. He's too nice. He would, he would have to go through so much. Uh, and I've thought that for a while, that he would be, like, a decent coach. Um, I don't know about other guys who are still in the league, though. I gotta think of some vets, but that's probably gonna stay on my mind for like days to come and start think like while watching. I'm just gonna be like, would he be a good coach? So, but okay. yeah, I'll just I'll stick with Chris Paul. Chris Paul, okay. Jay, how about you? Yeah, so I thought of one right away and then thought, let me have a, a non Raptors option. So the non Raptors option I thought of was also Chris Paul, uh, and for the same reasons as Shay, he just ha- seems to have that thing. He's intense but he's a good teammate, right? He's going to get his point across without chewing you out and screaming and throwing stuff. But like, he's, he, you respect him. And also as head of the Players Association, right? You already know that he can handle leadership. He's, he's doing it already while 
still playing while mentoring SGA. Like, he, it just seems like a really natural progression for him to do coaching. Um, but my first choice was Kyle Lowry. I would really like to see when Kyle Lowry's done, see him coach, because he does have one of the best basketball minds in the league right now. He has that fire. He, you know, even with his, his snarkiness, he's still loved. But you know, like, Kyle's going to hold you accountable. He's not going to let you get away with, you know, half-assing your coverages or or not putting your full effort in. And I think he's just, like, another one of those players. Like, you see him talking to the young guys all the time. He's involved in the coaching huddles all the time. So he's just another one of those guys that just, it seems like that is just a natural fit for when he's done playing. Side question to that one. Eric, I'm going to mention a player, possibly, that maybe, Jade. Udonis Haslam. Yeah, I was thinking about him, too. I don't think I know enough about him to make the call. Um, based just on my comments earlier and what I've seen, I would say probably that's a good option. Uh, but I don't know if I have enough information to be, like, really sure about that one. Okay. Well, okay, I'm going to ask this for you, Shay, because Udonis Haslam is essentially what Nick Collison was for OKC. Right. And you want, oh, you could see Nick Collison being a coach. So then do you see Udonis Haslam becoming a coach? I don't, I don't know enough about his personality, but from what I, I do know, I would say yes. Because yeah, he was that same thing. And I think a lot of those veterans who maybe weren't like the top player, like, you know what I mean? Like they're not like in the top five players of their time or something like that, but like are solid support teammates. They you know, stayed with a certain team or franchise for a long time. They got along with the people that were on their team. I think, yeah, I mean, I could see that being a good fit. I mean, I just, I know more about Nick Collison's personality and how he's like a teddy bear and that he like helps keep Russ from not like punching everyone in the face. So <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's also why I, <laughs> I knew Nick Collison would possibly be a good coach. So, but I mean, yeah, from what I know about Udonis, let's do it. Just to kind of sum up like where he's coming from, came from, which he's from Southern Miami. Southern Miami is a rough area. It's a very rough area. It's one of those, I think he's got tattoos actually on his chest and stomach of bullet marks, of like bullet holes. Because wow. that's essentially like, if you make it out of there, good job. So we got those answers in today. We dis- disagreements, smack talk, full out of laughs. And just like the LA Clippers, we're heading out early. Ooh. See y'all later. <laughs> Bye.